welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. We're here with a friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We're also here with our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Listeners, we have a lot to get to today. Uh, Max is fresh back from New York City and the VMAs. Um, there's been lots going on in the world of sports. Uh, we're going to get to stuff. But first, we wanted to talk about uh, the very, very sad passing of Norm MacDonald, uh, comedic icon, uh, Canadian treasure. Uh, enough can't sort of be said about Norm's influence on um, comedians. Uh, sort of if you've been on Twitter at all in the last sort of 24, 48 hours, and I'm not sure when this will be posted, uh, the tributes have been endless from giants of comedy, uh, of which Norm was one. Uh, and one of the great things has been sort of all the clips. You get to sort of relive all these things that for a lot of us, uh, like I know Shane has been a massive fan. I grew up with Norm on SNL. Uh, 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 you revisit these clips that basically you grew up with that basically have just been sort of part of your like at least once or twice a year, you go down a Norm rabbit hole on on talk shows or whatever that is. And that's sort of been Norm's relationship with us. But yeah, I just wanted to open it up because obviously this is uh, something that sort of uh, affects us in, in, in our fandom and what we grew up loving. But um, yeah, Shane, let's start with you because uh, you're probably the biggest Norm guy uh, of the three of us. What were your thoughts? It was just such a strange feeling because Norm is such a big part of my life. And I was obviously sad. I am still am sad. I was surprised, but not completely shocked because... In the last few years, he started to look a lot different. A couple years ago, I saw a Norm clip when he was in the Bahamas at a poker tournament. And he looked extremely deathly ill. And I remember saying to you and Max, oh my God, I just saw this clip of Norm. I think he's going to die soon. And a lot of the in the comments sections, it, it said it's bad lighting. A lot of people were attributing it to mm. bad lighting or poor health decisions. He was a smoker. And Max was like, nah, he'll be fine kind of thing or whatever. He's like, nah, he's not going to die. But then and then I saw him in subsequent interviews and he looked better. So I was thinking Mm. maybe he would be okay. So I I was surprised but not shocked when I found this news. There was always an undercurrent that he would he could have been secretly ill, I was thinking. And uh, the night before his passing in, in the afternoon, I was on this weird norm rabbit hole because he's always in my uh, youtube algorithm because i search him so mm. often no matter what i am watching there's always a norm clip on the right just waiting for me and <laughs> wow. this one enticed me it was saying norm mcdonald says amy schumer is the funniest woman on the planet so I, I i clicked it and it's all these instances where norm is saying that amy schumer is the funniest woman Ever. No, the funniest person ever. And he would always denote that. He's like, I'm not just Mm. saying she's the funniest woman. She's the funniest person. But then in the comments section, it says that this is an ongoing joke with Norm. (laughs) But he just says it. And he's so deadpan and sarcastic. You can never really tell if he's fucking with you or not. But he would never break. And it would seem like it was somewhat genuine. (laughs) So I, I just go on this like Reddit search, like, does he actually like Amy Schumer? And it seems pretty split. Some people think he does. Some people think he doesn't. Then, of course, the next day I find out the news that he, he's passed. And like most people who are Norm fans, I went to grab my Norm MacDonald book off my shelf that he wrote about five years ago. It's called Based on a True Story, a Memoir. 
and I pulled it off my shelf and I took a photo of it, put it on Instagram. And when I take the photo, I notice on the back of the book jacket, there's all of these celebrity endorsements for the book. And typically these celebrity endorsements are in order of how important they were to the author and their life. So the second one's Adam Sandler, the third one's Roseanne Barr, fourth one's Judd Apatow. All very important people in Norm's life. However, number one on the list is Amy Schumer. <laughs> so I was thinking, is this, like there's two things. Either he actually loves Amy Schumer more than anyone in his life, or this is the ultimate inside joke for him and his friends. To have a quote from Amy Schumer. And it's just like the most like classic norm thing ever. And I would have never even stumbled across this had he not passed. So it feels like it could be the ultimate norm joke. I don't know. But I just found it was very interesting and so very norm. Like this type of discovery where you're wondering, is he fucking with you or is he not? Absolutely. Yeah. Whoa, what, what was the quote? Now I just kind of want to know what Amy yeah, okay, yeah, what so, Amy's blurb. So Amy said, Norm is one of my all-time favorites. And this book was such a great read, I forgot how lonely I was for a while. Mm. What, what is the book... What is the book uh, about? I've never read Well, it. again, the book is so Norm. So it says Norm MacDonald, based on a true story, a memoir. But That's the funny. book is complete bullshit. It's not a memoir. It's all fabricated <laughs> like lies. Like, And I didn't know this. So I started reading it thinking, and it's believable enough where you think it could be true up to a point. And then you're like, ah, oh, Norm, like it's, it's not real at all. What's an example of a story that he tells that's just a bullshit story? Oh, it just, the, every, everything. It just, um, like, I haven't <laughs> read it in a couple of years. I got it the, the day it came out. But it, it just gets very outlandish and strange and coincidental and un- unbelievable. I, I want to reread it now more than ever. But I remember at the time, too, being like, I wish it was just a normal story. I actually was more curious about Norm's life than this bullshit he's writing. Although it was quite funny, it's just not what I wanted. I wanted a real memoir. Mm-hmm. That would have been your blurb on the back, yeah. Shane Cunningham. I wanted a real memoir. Honestly, though, Mike, what, what do you uh, what do you remember about Norm, and what are your earliest memories of Norm? Because I, I was talking to a pal about this the other day, and everybody has an entry point for Norm. What, what's yours? Yeah, well, me and my my best friend when I was growing up, Lee, we um we were obsessed with SNL, like legit. We were like twelve year old kids that would like try to stay up till 1130 on Saturdays at our sleepover. Like that was like the mission. And Norm came along sort of right then, like formatively doing weekend update. And he was so subversive and weird. It wasn't like, it wasn't like laugh out loud jokes. And so for us, when we were like, you know, really young and formative, like preteen almost, it was like such a, it was such a weird way to do the weekend update desk that it almost rewired the way that we thought about it. And although at first I remember thinking like, this is like weird, you eventually grow to like love it. You get used to the rhythms. And he sort of had this ongoing bit because it was like during the OJ trial and anyone that sort of has gone down norms like history or Wikipedia, they know that he ultimately got fired from that SNL job because the head of NBC was best friends with OJ and every oh, I didn't week. Know that. Okay. Every week, Norm would go on update and basically say that OJ was guilty of murdering his wife in some sort of deadpan joke. And then it, so the, the the head of NBC would go to Lauren Michaels and he would say, yo, what's this fucking guy doing? Like lay off the OJ stuff. <laughs> they would relay that to Norm and the writers and Norm would still bake in two or three jokes that would go at OJ. Uh, so eventually when the time came, I guess he was sort of an easy cut in the sense that there was a lot of pressure from the top because they did not like Norm. 
I really liked his silly stuff. Like you would see weird jokes like, uh, oh, like top of the college charts uh, this week is better than Ezra at number one. And number two is Ezra. It's just sort of like weird wordplay jokes like that. Um, he had this bit about Frank Stallone, which was like super subversive. So Frank Stallone's the brother of Sly Stallone, Sylvester Stallone. But Frank is like, I guess he's kind of like the the brother that didn't really amount to much, but he was always kind of a loud mouth and being a bit weird. So Norm and I guess some of the writers came up with this bit where every time something weird would happen, so they'd be like, oh, there was like a toxic spill off the coast of you know Guam. Uh, and who's responsible? You guessed it. Frank Stallone. So that was always the punchline. And you kind of got used to that coming every week and you just kind of grew to love the bits. Um, so that was like my entry to Norm was essentially weird dude on update that was kind of like, you weren't really laughing at first, especially if you're like a 12 or 13 year old or whatever I was. Um, and then you grew to love him and you actually almost felt this sort of anti-authoritism from him and sort of like you knew that he was different and then that became cool and so you grow kind of like the way we all got into Conan and you sort of lean more toward the stuff that doesn't feel conventional you know and that was norm for us and then yeah I followed him uh sort of along I remember his sitcom in like 99 like the Norm McDonald show like me and my buddy Lee like getting super excited because it was like hey Norm's getting like a shot or whatever you know uh but then I you know I went in and out with Norm over the years like I wasn't like at the premiere of Dirty Work like I I think Shane might have been a guy that was like I'm seeing Dirty Work I'm not sure how were what was your intro to Norm No I wasn't I I still haven't seen Dirty Work Wow so I loved Adam Sandler first so he was my introduction so Billy Madison where Norm has a very small part. I was always like, oh, I kind of I kind of like that guy. That That's a good character that Norm is, even though it was a very small part. He's, he stood out. And then his weekend update, I loved. I think he was the best weekend update anchor of, of all time. But then I really started loving him in my late 20s and having the ultimate appreciation for him. And just his comfort level that he... He didn't care if a joke bombed or not. He almost reveled in a joke bombing and he would just have that smirk on his face always when he was, you couldn't tell if he was being sarcastic or not, but he'd be looking at you and smirking and it made you feel like you were in on a joke that no one else got, especially if the audience wasn't laughing, but you were, it felt like it was just for you. Norm was the master at that. And of course the moth story where it's just the joke that goes on forever and <laughs> the, the the length of it is part of the, the is humor the moth story like based on like a russian literature is that the joke that it's is it because he's using these like russian names or am i reading into that wrong because i just watched that clip yesterday he kind of does that like where he basically fills out his stories with all sorts of unimportant details that you might think are important at the end of the story but they aren't mm -hmm. they're just they're part of the journey and it's and how think he's saying it too Yes, 100%. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, it's funny to think about his career. For somebody who is so legendary and so beloved and so respected, the thing he's most famous for is something he got fired for prematurely. And nothing else that he did like was a particularly big success. Like His show didn't last very long. He had like a talk show later that didn't last particularly long. Like nothing he did lasted that long, but he's maybe the greatest talk show guest of all time, which is That's a probably very, his legacy. That's probably his legacy because when you go on YouTube, it's just like him on Conan is spectacular. It's like the the, the carrot head bit. Carrot top. Yeah, carrot top. The board. Like, it's a classic. Yeah, it, his influence on comedians though was really his influence. He was yes. yeah. every big person in comedy, their favorite person in comedy was Norm MacDonald. 
So it was greater than you'd ever know, like how his impact actually affected you indirectly. Did you guys read David Letterman's tribute? No. Read it to uh, Letterman wrote this uh, yesterday about Norm. In every, and this is on Twitter. And you know that Dave like got on here and wrote this, or at least it, 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 this isn't some like assistant oh, that wrote Dave this. Wrote I don't know how active yeah. Dave is on Twitter. Yeah. He said, in every important way in the world of stand-up, Norm was the best, an opinion shared by me and all my peers, always up to something, never certain, until his matter-of-fact delivery leveled you. I was always delighted by his bizarre mind and earnest gaze. I'm trying to avoid using the phrase twinkle in his eyes. He was a lifetime Cy Young winner in comedy. Gone, but impossible to forget. David Letterman. Oh, that's the best. Yeah, there were so many good bits that came up um, or have been coming up in the last 24 hours, like stuff I forgot about. Like uh, when Conan, Conan gets bounced from the tonight show, but they leave him on for like two months before Jay comes back and Norm is coming on. And it's a really awkward time for Conan because like it was crushing for him to lose the tonight show. And he's kind of like, you know, in this like uh, lame duck thing where he's kind of got to play out the last couple months. And then Norm comes on and Norm has like this beautiful basket that like you could bring to like, you know, a funeral or whatever. So Conan's like, oh, thank you so much for bringing this. You know, it's been a tough time. And he's like, actually, Conan, you know me. I tend to procrastinate. I got this back in June, actually, when you got the show. So it's it's actually congratulatory <laughs> basket. And and then the crowd, you feel the turn change so much. And I go, oh, that's a funny bit. Now they move on. Norm's like, oh, actually, the card is still in here. And then Norm pulls out the card and he starts reading his congratulations. <laughs> He's like, Conan, you got the Tonight Show. This is something they can never take away from you. Like, it was so fucking <laughs> funny. Uh, just the the card itself and him reading the bit. And it was kind of just this, like, amazing thing where I just, I love the thought of Norm being like, okay, I'm going on Conan. He's going to be losing the Tonight Show in about a month. And this is going to be the bit I'm going to do. And it just, it landed and Conan was loving it. And it was just, it was awesome. Well, speaking of things, that expression, something they could never take away from you and something you touched on earlier about OJ Simpson, I just watched a clip of him hosting the ESPY Awards. He's like, and we have Charles Woodson in the house, and he is the first defensive player to ever win the Heisman Award. And Charles, and he's looking at Charles, this is something they can never take away from you. Unless you kill your wife and a waiter, yeah, then they can take it away. <laughs> and the whole crowd gets uncomfortable, and like it's like half of them are laughing, and Charles, those guys are all like shaking their head, like, "Oh, I don't think I can laugh at this." You know what's amazing about Norm too? Uh, by the way, I um, I was introduced to Norm. So when when I saw on Twitter that he passed, I immediately called my best friend from childhood, Daniel Rosenthal, and Daniel is still a friend. I, I saw him yesterday. We watched the Blue Jays game. Uh, and he was, he was like my sleepover buddy. You know how, you know, usually have a, a couple of friends, oh, like, yeah. you know, you stayed at their house between the ages of like, you know, nine and 13 or whatever. And we watched so many movies together. We, we had so many, you know, things in common and Norm was one of the things we loved. And, um, and so I called him, I was like, Dan, you probably haven't seen this yet. Cause Dan's like not particularly active on, on Twitter. I was like, and I said, Norm passed. I just wanted like to tell you, and I just wanted to talk about him with you because I know how much you love Norm, and I know. And, and I asked him, I was like, what was the thing that got us into Norm? Do you remember like the first thing? And he said, Dirty Work. We loved that movie, and we watched it like twelve <laughs> times. I was like, okay, cool. So I do want to rewatch that movie. Um, one of the things that's so cool about him is that he's sort of like he he could be sort of vicious and really poke fun at people. But he was never an asshole, right? Like he never, like he could really skewer people, but you never thought 
I, I don't think of Norm as an asshole on any level. Like he, he's sort of a truth teller, and I guess that's what good comedians are. But did, am I am I right on that? Like it, it felt like there was like a humanity to him that and a warmth to him that people were like, no, he's not a bad guy. He's just a, he's just trying to make some some people laugh, and that's about it. Yeah, Norm definitely said things that were assholeish, but I think because he came across like a mischievous child, he got away with it. And he did have that lovability to him. And everything he said was with that Norm smirk. And the smirk kind of said, I'm pretending I don't know the rules to society, but I really do Mm. know. But I'm doing it for comedy and I don't really mean this. And I hope you understand and please forgive me in advance. And it was just a thing that not many people could do or pull off and still have a career. And Norm really was the exception to the rule. It was just he had that thing, which I think will just be referred to as a Norm-like quality going forward. Here's a question for both of you. Uh, We're all going through the Norm rabbit hole right now. And... All of his stuff seems to hold up, right? Like we're looking back on his stuff from the 90s, you know, up to today or to a couple of years ago. And it's all funny. There's a lot of comedian stuff that isn't as funny. Like sometimes I, I watch a Chris Rock clip or something like that from 97. I'm like, yeah, it's not quite as funny as I remember. Do you think his, there's something about his comedy that is different from other legends where it just holds up? Because, because a lot of people say comedy doesn't hold up. And that's okay because it's speaking to a particular time and place. The norm stuff is transcendent. It's kind of timeless. What would you say? His delivery is like that Bob Newhart-esque thing where it's not as much what he's saying, it's how he sang it. And a lot of comedians said you couldn't steal anything from Norm even if you wanted to because it's just his delivery is one of a kind. Yeah, and and I think he also doesn't really do like topical stuff necessarily. It's uh. almost like behavioral stuff. Like it's like, or if he's doing topical, it's like really old. Like I saw a joke he was doing with Adam Egot on like his podcast where he was like, yo, he's like this, uh, he's like this Hitler guy seems like a bad dude. He's like, let's, let's, let's kill him. Like, let's kill him. And then Adam, <laughs> Adam Egot's like, he died like 40 years ago. And Norm goes, oh yeah, I didn't even know he was sick. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, it's like, <laughs> It's just like a funny, weird line, but it's like irreverent and silly. Like Norm is more silly, like the moth story. Yeah. That moth story lives at any time. It's more like um, human nature stuff that, and then like Shane said, like his delivery just, you couldn't even rip Norm off. And one of the things I've noticed is so many comedians, whether it's like Seth Meyers or or uh, or other comedians, they all want to do a Norm joke. Like they all want to say, this is my favorite Norm joke. Like mm-hmm. they all have like this kind of, this Norm joke. Uh, Seth, I don't know if you guys saw Seth Meyers tribute. Yeah, I watched the thing you sent. Yeah. Uh, that opening line, like I literally was sitting here this morning, I'm drinking my, you know, I'm getting my day started and I'm, I'm going on Twitter and I see this tribute. I'm like, oh, I'll see what Seth has to say. And Seth says, like, the first time Norm had come back to SNL, Seth is, like, new on SNL, and Norm comes walking through, and Norm brings his son in. He's got, like, a little kid with him or whatever. And uh, Seth says, hey, how's fatherhood? And Norm says, uh, he's like, no abductions yet. Yeah, it's going (laughs) great. Still no abductions. Yeah, That's the line. And it was just such a funny, dark line and and just so norm and it made me just start like cackling sort of at my desk almost spitting my water and i'm just like that's the one great thing about when somebody i mean as sad as it is when someone passes away it's an opportunity to celebrate the the entirety of their work and all of a sudden i'm sitting at my computer laughing at a line i didn't know existed uh from this great comedian who i who i have like certainly enjoyed throughout the decades well everything he did was a home run too and when i've seen every single interview norm would would do so even his poker interviews which are 40 minutes in length and all he's talking about (laughs) is poker it's still really funny 
and he somehow manages to make something you're not even interested in hilarious. Another thing about the nature of his jokes is they're, they're often so simple and so silly that they can be retold. I think trying to do you know, a, uh, a Bill Burr joke or a John Mulaney joke or, a, you know, Chris Rock joke, trying to read any of us trying to retell a Bill Burr joke always feels like it's you can't do it. But because of his delivery and how simple he keeps the language, like I was I'm terrible at retelling stuff. And I just told the Charles Woodson Heisman story and it kind of worked. And yeah. there's something about the way he it's like chairman of the board wait i got it board is spelled b-o-r-e-d and then he slays that's a, that's a joke on coming that clip that, that clip has literally been a classic for 20 years now mm -hmm. and I, the, I at least twice two or three times a year i watch that clip because something will remind me of it whether it's like carrot top pops up in like some weird hollywood reporter feature or like norm reminds me of something or it's a conan thing because everything about that clip is so delightful and if you're like a younger listener and you haven't gone down the norm rabbit hole do yourself a favor and look up norm mcdonald uh carrot top courtney lawrence thorn smith and basically he's like the second guest he gets pushed down the couch and they bring in courtney thorn smith who used to be this actress on melrose place and she just shot a movie with carrot top and basically norm spends the entire interview sort of being this like disruptor uh, like a class clown in a way where conan's trying to keep the interview under control but he knows that everything norm is saying <laughs> is so funny that Conan can't even be a professional. And then Conan just sets him up for one of the all-time outs on a segment. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Everything about that segment, even Courtney Thorne Smith, they're, they're, they're killing her movie. That's about to come out and she's laughing her ass off. Like it's, it's, it was, it was awesome. Well, when he says an alternate title is going to be box office poison. Poison. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, did he actually go bankrupt a couple times? Is that true? He was a notorious gambler. So he was always, He's, you know, in the red seemingly. Uh, but something I, I'd want to recommend for people, I'm assuming you haven't seen this. He had a Netflix show called Norm MacDonald Has a Show. And it came and went, but I think it was extremely underrated. And I have a feeling it's going to get a huge boost right now in, in viewership. But he had great guests. He had Letterman, David Spade. Uh, who else? He had uh, Jim Carrey. He had Jim Carrey. Yeah, he had Jim Carrey and uh, M. Night Shyamalan and Judge Judy. Like it was such an eclectic. <laughs> I never yeah. saw the M. Night one or Judge yeah, Judy. The Judge Judy one's awesome. Um, the funniest one about, or the funniest thing about the David Spade episode, if people are going to go back and watch these things on Netflix, is Spade basically is like, this is the loosest fucking thing I've ever been a part of. Are we sure? Is this a test episode? Did you bring me in for a test <laughs> yes. episode? Basically, that's the whole time where Dave's like, this cannot, this isn't an actual show, right? Like, you brought me in for the test episode. <laughs> and he had Chevy Chase it's, on. It's yeah, it's good. It was very loose, but very Norman, very, very well done, I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Rest in peace, Norm Macdonald. He leaves a, a, a big hole. And I, I guess at the end of the day, when someone passes away, it's like what your peers say about you uh, uh, means a lot. You know what I mean? And when people that don't normally pipe in on these things are basically saying like, you know, we lost a giant of comedy. Um, you can really sort of, uh, I guess, measure the impact somebody had. Mm. Well, guys, should we move on then? Mm -hmm. yeah. And like like we said, we encourage everybody to uh, look up the old clips because they're uh, they're special. Max... I feel like you sort of broke the seal on, uh, uh, shall I say, cross-border travel. International travel. I did it single-handedly. In, <laughs> in a very significant way. You know, you, you uh, Manager Ash, The Nuts, uh, you guys went down uh, to New York City um, 
actually uncle Brent was there as well. Who you mentioned from the last story, who you brought to uh, the baseball game with your, uh, your, your nephews and nieces. Yeah. 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 Was this private jet first class commercial? <laughs> how, how do you fly? Max? <laughs> no, no, Especially no, no. Especially no, with no. the nut. How, how are you flying? Well, it is funny. Um, <laughs> we, we are great traveling companions. Cause, uh, our, our, our gang, uh, Uncle Brent, uh, Helen, the nut, whatever you want to call him, and Ash. We went to Vancouver and Victoria this earlier this summer, and we wanted to do something else. And we had this invitation uh, to go to the VMAs uh, on Sunday, which I'll get to in a second. But the one point of contention between the nut and I is that he insists on calling Uber XLs, like like the the black XLs. So we could be going, <laughs> like you know five blocks to a deli and i'm like let's just get into an uber he'd be like i prefer the black car <laughs> and so uh but and so if it's not this is my turn to call the uber i just get like the cheap uber and if it's his turn we we are li- literally rolling in like a <laughs> like no matter the time of day <laughs> uh, but the the reason why we're able to go to the vmas is a couple of years ago at uh, a TIFF event, it was uh, presented by RBC and it was for Sam Smith, you know, like the the shoemaker for Adidas, Sam Smith. It was, a, it was an exhibit for like the iconic shoe designed by Sam Smith. Sam Smith was going to be there and I was invited. You know, there's like lots of parties going on in TIFF. I think I went by myself because um, I know somebody at RBC who invited me, Mary, who, who is awesome. And... Um, she introduced me to this friend of hers, John, who was at the party also by himself. Oh, it's my friend John in from New York. Uh, John's super into music. You guys should chat. And so we were kind of like the two guys at the party who didn't know anybody. So I ended up talking to him. He's super into jam bands. He's like very into fish. He's been to like a hundred fish concerts. And if you know anybody who's into jam jam bands, it's like, you know, they are obsessed and they travel with the band. If there's a tour with 30 dates, everybody's going to at least 15 shows kind of thing. So then we get talking and it turns out that at the time he is kind of in charge of Madison Square Garden. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that, that's very interesting. And um, he... You, you just couldn't be a more friendly, normal guy. And we were playing the next summer up at um, Budweiser stage, the show that Nick Nurse came on stage for. And he's like, oh, I'm going to come up. But wh- what do you mean in charge? Like he has to lock it up every <laughs> night, make sure. <laughs> no, <laughs> what does I that mean? mean? Clean the courts. Sec- no, he's he second in command to James Dolan. So James Dolan famously is, is, is the owner of the, oh. the mm-hmm. Knicks. And, and he's the COO of Madison Square Garden. He like oversees the Knicks, the, the Rangers. Also has a band. That's right. Uh, JD and the Sure so, Show. So anyway, John and, his, and his, what is CEO chief stand operating for? chief operating o- officer? Yeah. Oh, cool. Officer. Oh, oh I thought, <laughs> I'm cool. But um, <laughs> and he came up to see us uh, at our Budweiser State Show two summers ago. And we just kind of kept in touch. And it, he's uh, very his life story is super super interesting. He he grew up. You know, sometimes when you meet these executives, you're like, okay, what is your story? Are you just like the son of a rich kid? How did you get here? Kind of thing. And he grew up in tiny, small town in Oklahoma. He said the graduation rate at his high school was 20%. But he had one teacher that really encouraged him to apply for university. And he said, you should have, and the teacher said, you should apply to MIT. And John was like, what's MIT? I don't even know what that school is. And it turns out MIT is like one of the top five universities in America. He applies for MIT, gets in, but the only way he can afford it is if he signs up for the Army Reserves. So he goes to MIT knowing that he has to pay the piper. 
He ends up after he graduates MIT, uh, is a pilot in the Navy in Iraq for like eight or nine years. He then does goes from that to an MBA degree at Stanford, and he parlays that into uh, I'm going to get some of this chronology wrong, but assistant general manager with the St. Louis Cardinals, I think assistant GM with the San Diego Padres, then the job at MSG. And um, about a year ago, he told me he, he was leaving that job and he, was, he wanted to find something new. Now he's the CEO, CEO of the Brooklyn Nets. So anyway, John, John has, um, wow. has, you know, he's just a fascinating guy and just access to so many interesting conversations. So it's like, you know, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets is, uh, the, yeah, who, in, who started Sire. Alibaba. Um, and, you know, obviously um, we, you know, he, he's, he's working closely with Steve Nash, Canadian, who's the head coach of the, of the Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving's on the team, James Harden, Kevin Durant. Anyway, so it's just really fun guy to hang out with. And the thing is, which is, which makes it kind of like an equal friendship is that he's very interested in, in the band world. Like he has lots of questions, but like how things work, cause it's not quite his domain. And, you know, obviously as a basketball fan and somebody who's just interested in how operations work anywhere, uh, he has like a lot of interesting insights. So, uh, we went to, on the Saturday, we went to My Morning Jacket, which is a great kind of rock and roll jam band from Kentucky. They were playing at Forest Hill Stadium, which is the old location for the U.S. Open. And then on Sunday, we went to um, the VMAs and we got to see how that whole production works. You know, it's like, you know, we've all been around for the Much Music Video Awards and this is like that times 100. It's like just the, the amount of star, star power and the production it was just so impressive and to have kind of an inside scoop on how it works between commercial breaks and all that stuff it was, it was really fun. One yeah. thing we did, though, after the Saturday night, we were looking uh, for a fun bar and the nut had a friend who was at a bar called Ray's uh, kind of in the, in the lower in, in the village uh, in Manhattan. And so we show up and it turns out that the bar is either owned or there's like some sort of celebrity fee for McLovin and uh, Cousin Greg. So if you're familiar, so if you're familiar with uh, Cousin Greg, he is one of the stars of Succession, one of the best shows in the last couple of years. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. His character is really memorable. And McLovin, we all know McLovin. So we get to the bar and in the corner, it's a shitty dive bar. So like, and it's probably like, you know, the size of this, it's, you know, probably capacity 80 people or 100 people. It's not a very big place. But in the corner kind of booth area, we'll call it, there's just kind of a bunch of like college kids and kids in their like mid-20s all kind of surrounding Cousin Greg and McLovin. They're all there. there. They're both there. (laughs) They're like a duo. And then at some point I look over and, um, and McLovin's pouring shots for people behind the bar. Like they're actually putting in time behind the bar. Cousin Greg is like, Making people vodka sodas and stuff like that. It was, it was. Wow. Is this the grand you know, opening or something, or you think I don't you just think got it was lucky? The opening. Um, it was. It was very funny. It felt like very New York. Because the thing is, like, whenever you're in New York, like you, you just kind of see famous people. And I remember the last time I was there, like, Kaya Gerber was like with her boyfriend taking photos, like on the on the Brooklyn Bridge or whatever. So anyway, um, basically all of Saturday and all of Sunday till about nine o'clock. Uh, the nut was working the phones to see what after party we could get into uh, for the VMA after party. And he has a thing where he doesn't want to wait in any lines. Like the idea of one time we waited in a line somewhere maybe a month ago and he, he was talking about it for days. He's like, never want to do that again. We can't do that again. Just embarrassing. 
Well, you get to a certain age, you don't want to be waiting outside a club in a line. It is embarrassing. I'm with him. (laughs) (laughs) It is true. It's less a status thing and just like an age and time thing. It's like, because you're looking around the line and it's probably like a bunch of people who are 22 who are waiting in line as well. And you're like, I put in too much time to be waiting in this line. Well, it's like once you get a taste for not waiting in a line too, it's hard to go back. It's I I always equate this to roommates. If you live without roommates, it's hard to go back to having the roommate, Mm -hmm. even though there's nothing wrong with having a roommate, you know? I I generally agree with what you just said. I personally love roommates. Uh, Birchall, Brent, and I all shared a room. Have you ever not had a roommate? No. See, that's what yeah, I mean. Yeah, you don't, you don't know. You're missing. Yeah, you don't know, Max. Mm, you're too scared to I try because you're such an extroverted person. <laughs> Alex is like that too. She needs to be around people at all times. It, it was really fun though. I'll say waking up every morning and everybody's like, a, like you know, we've been out till pretty late. And uh, Oh, of course. I love that. And yeah, two, you're a, that's, you're that's not roommates. That's just, <laughs> I mean, like when you live somewhere and you have roommates, I'm not saying like, I love having a hotel buddy and we're talking about the night when we're hung over. Everyone loves that. Just to be yeah, clear. That, that, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, also speaking of like the morning, it was like Sunday morning. And we'd been out very late at Ray's, this this bar, after the, the concert. And it was kind of a personal hell for me, but I feel bad about even saying that. We were, Ash and I had kind of got breakfast. And I was so intolerable at breakfast. I was such a crazy asshole because you, trying to get a brunch in New York City on a weekend is just about impossible. And every place is understaffed right now because I think in the serving community, it's like hard to find staff. So getting like the water delivered to the table, we had to wait in line for a while to get into a place. Mm-hmm. Getting the water delivered to the table took 10 minutes. Ooh. So eventually I just like woke up, I just like, left the table. I was like, Ash, I need to get my own water. And I went to the CVS across the street and I brought water back for us. And I was like, I'm hungry. I know I should have eaten something before brunch. Why did I not eat something before brunch? So then I walked around for 15 minutes trying to find a croissant. I couldn't find anything. I settled on nuts. It was anyway. I finally came back. Uh, Ash had ordered for me, so by the time I got back, like the food was sort of showing up at that point. I was like, okay, that's good. Still kind of hungover, not feeling great. We're walking to this Buffalo Bills bar because the game starts at one o'clock. It's Sunday. It's at like 52nd Street. We're up at like 47th. We've been walking for half an hour. It's getting kind of hot outside. It's the middle of the day. It's Manhattan, New York City. All of a sudden, this parade of motorcycles kind of drive by, kind of impeding us from walking north. And I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, it seems like some vaguely 9-11 related because obviously this is the big weekend, the 20th anniversary. Motorcycles are coming. Okay, it can't last forever because it doesn't feel like an official parade. Like if it was an official 9-11 parade, the streets would obviously be blocked off. But this was not the case. There's just like us. They're kind of they're not paying attention to any of the traffic lights. And everybody is sort of like stunned in traffic. I'm like, okay, I think it's going to last a couple of minutes. All good. I'll pay more respect. This thing. And by the way, you know how much I hate loud cars. This thing lasts for fucking 20 minutes. So we're almost at the bar. And it got so crazy because people are trying to cross the street. And every time somebody tries to cross the street, motorcycles are like speeding up trying to hit them. Because like, how dare you disrespect this 9-11 activity? And then this, this, this old lady's like screaming at them. I thought like a brawl was going to break up. So I was like, this is a personal fucking hell. I'll, I'll send you guys the video. Anyway, we eventually made it to Buffalo Bill's bar. And it was kind of cool. They don't serve food. You just bring in whatever food you want. 
and you just order booze at the bar. So that was cool. Um, but anyway, the after party we finally got into was the Travis Scott official after party. Um, I later found out that Ed Sheeran had rented out like a dive bar on the Lower East Side. And when that probably was a little bit more our speed, this was like a bona fide like hip hop club in Manhattan. It really like felt like something like out of a, a movie from 1998. And uh, we were joined by our friend Chaz, who I met once on a plane coming back from LA. Turns out that they work for TikTok and live in New York now. So Chaz literally just, I, I posted a photo of Chaz and I on the Arkell's Instagram, if you saw that. So Chaz really just brings the party and basically every kind of beautiful person that was hanging around in this exclusive VIP booth at this very cool hip hop after party, Chaz would just go up to them, throw glitter on them, and then just start twerking in front of them. And then that's how we made friends with people. And uh, little Nas people X. Were down. Yeah, people see, I mean, when Chaz does it, nobody seems to mind. And uh, little Nas X showed up. Um, Travis Scott did show up at about you know two thirty three in the morning for a DJ set. And uh, the best part about this all is I got my COVID test back uh, that I took on Monday morning, and we're all good. That's so it's awesome. no problem. Because <laughs> that was my next question: Do you have COVID? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for peace of mind, we uh, we tested when we got back, and all was yeah. all was good. Oh um, well, man, that sounds like a great trip. Yeah, so it was fun. So I oh another just um, flag for anybody who's going to New York. The rule is you do need to have a PCR test when you come back into Canada within 72 hours. And there are some places that charge $300 a pop to get that test done. There's other places that are $0. So you just have to call around. So so we found a place not far from our hotel that you just go in, you get the test. It's $0. They send you the results back in 48 hours. And PCR and stands for? Nobody knows. No Nobody one knows. knows. All right. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Um, did New York did New York feel like New York? Are they just rocking like there's no panty or are they are people cautious? Um, you know what? A lot of places did have to show proof of vaccine and, and you have to show ID and stuff like that. So it did actually feel more um, locked down in that respect, like in terms of like people having to show ID. The only thing the only place that didn't show ID, uh, sorry, vaccination status was that after party. You but have that, your ever, proof of vaccine. Do you have it laminated? Uh, no, but we had it printed on a piece of paper. Ooh, I got to find mine. I also don't yeah. have any idea, I realized. I've lost it all. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> where, where is it? Where, where have you been? I left, well, before the pandemic, on the last bus ride, before everything shut down, I, my ID was left on the bus. And uh, they didn't report it in the lost and found or anything. So I've been using my passport as my ID, like instead of my driver's license. Mm. But I took it to a bar or something and I left it there and it, it, it oh, wasn't recovered. So now I don't have a, a driver's license or passport. So you, you oh, kind of need no. your pa- you need your license to get your passport. You need your passport uh, to get your yeah. license. So I need all these two witnesses to sign for me and they need to be attorneys. And there's all these rules and it's, it's hard for me to uh, navigate. But it's going to be very hard when things require a form of identification because they don't accept health card and your vaccine passport. Like I won't be able to get into places. You should be able to, if you have your health card number, I think you can um, go to like the a Canada government website and then you can print off a paper. To have the vaccine passport be valid, you need to have a form oh. of ID. 
to show that you're the person on the yeah, paper. So I'm fucked. Gotcha. Uh, I wanted to ask a question about the nut. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, back to the nut. I like it. I like it. So we've gone to New York in the past with the nut. And mm. he was r- really fun to say the least. There was wild times had. <laughs> um, was he like that on this trip or was it strictly business? And I'm keeping it to one gin and tonic and then a bunch of fake drinks after that to seem like I'm partying, but I'm not. Nah, the net he let loose. I'd say did he? I'd say he had a, he had a good time. I mean, he was he was well behaved when he needed to when we were hanging out with the, the CEO of the Brooklyn Nets. I was telling um, the nut that when I met Adam Silver uh, at a Raptors game one time, Adam Silver made me feel so special because at the end of our brief conversation, he gave me his card. He said, "Hey, well, here's my card. Be in touch anytime." And it made me feel like he really wanted me to be in touch. And then, so the and nut- also, sorry, what happened when you called uh, Adam Silver? <laughs> this line is no longer in service. Yeah. <laughs> Six numbers. Uh, Wait. <laughs> um, he, uh, so, the, so the nut, I told him that anecdote like on the Friday. And so the whole weekend, Adam's just giving his card to literally everybody. So, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's learning. It's great. It's great. Sounds like a lovely time. We, we, we had a, we had an excellent time. Um, Hey, uh, you know, um, not to get off track here, but we were talking, we got some nice feedback on the last podcast. Um, we did, I, yeah. I had a question for you guys because we did it in, in real life and it was, it was awesome. But afterward, Shane said, oh, terrible. I didn't think that was necessarily a great podcast. It didn't feel like anything felt great in the, in the room. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if anything, any of my stories landed. Like we love the company. We love being with each other. But was the storytelling great? How, how, did, it, how did it flow? Well, I was annoyed the then, whole time. Yeah, well, why were you annoyed? We were supposed to be in the bar recording when it was closed. Oh. <laughs> but since we started half an hour later, we half an hour of the podcast was when the there were servers walking around and customers and we were in front of them and they were cranking Drake music. And I just felt like, <laughs> as always, the Shane surprise fell flat because no one's paying attention and you're always one foot out the door. And by the end of it, I was like, fuck this. That was terrible. Of course, when you listen back, it's it played pretty well. But uh, a lateness is a big thing for me, Max. I'm not sure if you know that. I hate I, lateness, I especially if it's in-person lateness. Yeah, so fair, fair enough. Okay, so it threw the vibe off for me. You know, and, and that's fair. And I was a little off that day, too. Um, my question, though, is... You know, I think Shane, you're someone who fancy who who prides themselves on going. Oh, I had a hunch, and it turned out I was right. Like I feel like you're the kind of person who's like, I knew it, I knew it, I knew That's it, I knew Greg, it. Greg was just saying to me, uh, Mike's brother Greg, because I was telling him about the Norm thing, how I had noticed that he was sick, and Greg was yeah. like, Oh, I bet you were happy uh, when he died because you were right. <laughs> I was like, Greg. I was going, of course not. I'm like devastated right now. But you do love but being right. It did I teach did. me to always go with my gut. <laughs> but my question though for both of you is um do you think if do you have any sense if you can honestly analyze how often your gut is right because i don't ever trust my gut i always i know better from like if i'm looking at something uh or feeling something in the moment of a show and then I, it's not feeling great i look at the video i'm like oh actually that was amazing i was singing great or that did look cool or the lighting was awesome um the playback, I think, is such an important thing. Do you do? Would you say that? You, how would you say you're that confident in your gut, or will you, are you willing to admit that sometimes your hunches are wrong sixty percent of the time? 
I think I think my hunches are wrong maybe 20% of the time. 20%? Okay. Although often, you know, you're correlating things and saying like, aha, I knew it after the fact, which is accounting for a lot more correctness than you actually were. For instance, I had a hunch when we were recording the pod, you were feeling a certain way or you had more uh, piss and vinegar or whatever the expression is. Because you were bringing up kids a lot and being like, do you ever just say fuck you to your kid and you were saying like <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> and you had so much disdain for like children and stuff and then <laughs> i was in a weird mood yeah, and right. then, and then afterwards right. mike mentioned something where you could have potentially been pissed at me and i was like i knew he was in a fucked up mood like something was the, that's why i was messaging you that night <laughs> okay. like right afterwards I, I was messaging you do you i'm not sure if you remember but i had a hunch right. that you were a little not unstable, off. but you're off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mike, what do you think? I think, well, for that specific pod, we we all thought it was flat. Like, we basically were just like, we walking away. It was like, nah, I don't think that's good. But then when I went back and, because I edited that pod, um, I said, like, when I sent the cut, I was like, this actually, t-, I'm like, this is actually a pretty good listen. It's a good hang compared to how we walked away feeling about it. Overall... I trust my instincts. I think my instincts are pretty damn good. I think I have a good feel for when I know something's like working or not working in real time. However, and I would say that that usually plays out. Like when you talk about playback, let's say like if I'm like this probably, this isn't really vibing. And then I, I listen back or I watch something back. I'm usually pretty right. One thing that happens though, is I find time can change my perception. Meaning something that I, I wasn't super hot on say in the first, whatever, a couple months. If I look back on it in two years, and this, people say this all the time, right? They like about their own perception of themselves. They're like, oh, I was so down on this or I was embarrassed about that. But then I look back and I'm like, oh, actually I was super cool then. You know, that I find sometimes there's like a delayed thing where I'm like four years later, I'll look back on something that even I like my, my instinct was right. And in the moment I was right. But then four years later, I'll look back and I'll be like, actually, that's pretty cool. And I don't know if like things changed or I changed or if I was just really wrong then, or it wasn't a big deal. So in the moment now, even when I think something's not vibing, I think what I've learned in all our years of doing anything in creative is essentially uh, I could be wrong here. So don't disrupt. Go with the flow. Do your best. And it's probably actually not nearly as bad as you think it is. Especially with a podcast. It's never as bad as you think it is after you leave it. And sometimes it's actually yes. quite good. And inversely, mm. sometimes you think it's amazing and then you listen back and it's not as that's happened mike i also think another um trick you have up your sleeve and i wonder how long it took you to really develop and harness it is just knowing that danica is always right whenever you're stressed out about anything (laughs) and like i think now the way you talk about it now is you've come to the acceptance where you're like no no if she's telling me it it's probably correct it's like no matter what state of mind i'm in no matter how pissed off or worked up i am if she's telling me something i gotta go okay yeah she's history has proven that she's probably correct on on this one (laughs) absolutely that 100 it's like it's like sort of like acquiescing control or not being a know-it-all like i feel like when i was younger being right or like arguing your point or like whatever felt more important to me than sort of getting to the truth of what it is. And now I think with age, like if Shane is like, hey, this isn't working or whatever, say we're working on something, instead of me being like, I'm gonna fight you 10 different ways to try and explain why it's working or why I think I it should be working. Instead, I'll be like, okay, what's he saying? Where's he coming from? All right, he's, he could be right and he probably is right. And then let's go from there, at least find out why. I think it's like, I trust those around me more than maybe when I was younger, where I was like, 
you know, a little bit more in, stuck in my ways. Shane, what do you think? You put your finger up. Yeah, that's my new way to say when I want to cut in rather than cut over someone. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering if that is a byproduct of COVID in the fact that we don't see each other as much anymore. So we have to cherish our time that we do have together and we can't waste it fighting. Mm. Or <laughs> is it just that you've matured? It's <laughs> a great question. What do you think? You know me just about as well as, as, well as anyone. Well, I, I, I look at myself too and I think, okay, I am a little bit nicer with people I don't see as much because I don't want their last, like, let's say you and I don't talk for a week and our last interaction is me being an asshole or rude or stubborn. I feel like it's going to tarnish the friendship. Whereas if I'm that way to you at work for an hour, I know I've got seven more hours to redeem myself and then I'm back there the next day and then it, it all is forgotten. You know what I mean? So I find for me, it's a great point. I feel like it's COVID related has softened me and made me nicer. What do you think, Max? Do you think COVID's made you softer and nicer? Mm, no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that works for Max. Yeah, yeah Max literally just complained about a 9-11 parade because he wanted to get to a Bills game. <laughs> yeah, and, and I have, and and I have no patience. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Shane, guess what? I don't give a fuck if you missed your daughter's first step. She'll oh, have I plenty know. of other first steps. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, we're almost uh, we're almost out of time, so let's hit that Shane uh, dessert before mm-hmm. Max gets antsy, as Shane always. Likes oh, to he's play. antsy. Trust me. The second it gets to Shane dessert time, <laughs> he's ready to leave. But uh... okay, luckily this one isn't gonna be belabored too much. I just wanted to have a Mount Rushmore of comedy. So this is a simple mm. conversation. Woo! I'm not swinging for the fences to be hilarious here. I just wanted to see. Who would you put on your Mount Rushmore of comedy? And this is in honor of Norm MacDonald and dedicated to Norm MacDonald. Because obviously for me, Norm is going to be on that Mount Rushmore. But I'll have you guys take the floor. Is there four members of... uh, How many people are on Mount Rushmore? There's four heads on Mount Rushmore. Okay. Oh, this is... Wow, this is a tough one. Um, because there's because there's stand up, there's sketch comedy, there's movie acting. Oh, so I there's wanted like to so explain it a little further because I had I had this conversation yesterday with a close friend, John Popolis, and we had determined the rule was it has to be people who can't help but be funny. So, for instance, you might have an inclination to put Steve Martin on there, and he could definitely be on there. But I feel like Steve can hold himself back, and he's more like just a professional funny person. So, yes. so I was inspired okay. by Norm with this Mount Rushmore in the sense I feel like Norm can't help himself but be hilarious just by looking at him or just his being or his essence being funny. So I wanted to limit it to that to be the rules. Okay, I'll go first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what's funny? I was going to say John Mulaney would be on that uh, Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, you know, he's devastatingly funny. I did. He did make this the strangest talk show appearance of all time uh, last week on Seth Meyers. Strange Shane energy. Oh, strange energy. Ash sent that. It through. was, and and oh, I mostly yeah. just feel kind of bad for him or something. Like something is off. I know he's had a lot of like addiction issues right now. But it, but it was weird. Like, and the reason why you like Norm is like kind of the opposite of why you or dislike John Mulaney or something. Yeah. Like at the moment where it's just like everything about this just feels like I'm not rooting for you anymore. There's a part of comedians where you, you want to root for them, even if they can be vicious and mean. And I know the part that turned you off the most. Which one, which part was it? 
and I'm becoming a dad. I'm going to be a dad. I know. I can just picture you being like, fuck you, traitor. <laughs> Your whole shtick was that you didn't want kids, John. You have betrayed me. Fuck this guy. Um, oh, Bill Burr, uh, Chris Ooh. Rock, and Chappelle. Um, I made it to three so far. I mean, oh, by the way, on this note, so um, I was talking to a friend we met in New York uh, who was going to the 9-11 tribute show at Madison Square Garden. Um, And did you see the lineup for that? It was insane. You know, it was like Jon Stewart, Chappelle, Chris Rock, uh, Pete Davidson, every massive comic was was doing a set there. And... um, and I said, who was the alpha in the set? Like, who, 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 of all those massive names, who was the alpha dog there? Bill Burr. So, like, I think Bill Burr, like, has a will uh, <laughs> and, like, an energy a level that is just, like, yeah, he's so fearless. So, um, Bill Burr, Chris Rock, Chappelle, who am I missing? I know. You're going to kick yourself because I know who your other one is. But I can't Who? say. I can't Ooh. say because it's on mine. Okay, you go, Mike. I'll, I'll come back. And I'll add. Oh, I know. Larry David. Ooh, <laughs> That's not call. on Shane's. That wasn't on mine. It is no. a good call, a but good it's not call. on Shane's. But I still I'm feel like you're going to want to rejig. I mean, this is a this is a tough exercise because I think it takes more thought, weirdly. like It's almost like if you want to write a feature or an article about this, like I would actually have to break it down. But being asked on a pod sort of, you know, and having a minute and a half to think about it, I'm going to go with like, there's certain people that can't help but be funny and they make me laugh, whether it's been performance, whether it's been their movies, whether it's been talk show appearances. And that is Chris Farley. Chris Farley is going to be on my Mount Rushmore. That guy makes me laugh. He's made me laugh like in my youth and even going back and watching old clips. Then there's people that I know people find like, like they can be a lot as comedians, but they're like, not only are they like, I think immensely funny when they're doing very broad and sort of like populist stuff, but also when they want to get like lean and mean and really get into sort of really intellectual humor or sort of they can do a bit of everything like a five tool athlete or whatever and that's jim carrey i think jim carrey is like a master and i appreciate like not only sort of like you know um his ability to do a bit of everything but also i think that like part of his his value is his ability to sort of be broadly funny but also subversive and weird um the other two mm, i think i'm gonna go with uh will ferrell just because Will Ferrell has spent, I've spent decades laughing with Will Ferrell, like literally like I out of a cannon on SNL and being like, who is this guy? Wow, this guy's amazing. And then like, I think one of the hardest I've ever laughed was when our whole gang, Shaney, went to see Step Brothers in theaters and we all, we got Mickey's of like vodka and rum and then we put it in the Diet Coke and we just got drunk during Step Brothers. It was like 10 or 12 of us. That like those memories, like they just sit so warmly in my heart that you can't, you know, I that experience will. I could watch that movie ten times again, and it won't be as funny as that time in the theater. I mean, maybe well, the alcohol. Had my personal that. life was actually in shambles at that moment. I'm not sure <laughs> if you remember, but that was tough for me. So, did you not enjoy that experience? Well, I, I had can't that remember. confrontation outside the movie theater. Like, I, I ran out and had a confrontation <laughs> with someone and came back in. The idea of having a confrontation outside the movie theater is just a funny yeah. Well, I ran I across the you street. Had this was at Jackson Square. There was an art gallery yeah. across the street, and I ran over oh, to. Yes. And I had uh, my heart was broken in a uh, a parking lot. I yeah, recall. It was, it was, yeah, it was terrible. All right, so, Shane. Well, we, we, 
we well, well we were all Mike's yucking it up. It, yeah, well we were. He I'm is sorry. trying to keep it moving. Well, we I, were I do all, have a, I, I have a call an interview at, at, in four minutes with okay. CTV team. <laughs> Okay. Uh, okay. So then, to, to what do I have? I have Farrell. I have Farley. I have Jim Carrey. Who cares? Hurry it up. Hurry it up, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Who cares? I'll go. Uh, I'll, I'll go. Eddie. Eddie Murphy. Oh, Eddie Murphy. Okay. So I, yeah. I, hurry it up. Okay. So um, with Jim Carrey, I never really. I liked his movies a lot. Dumb and Dumber really made me laugh. But as a person and a talk show guest, I don't find the essence of him to necessarily be funny. Although I do respect his work it's a lot. So I'm gonna have on my list Norm. Conan O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Uh, I originally had John Candy, then I swapped it out for Chris Farley. Whoa. And at the end, I'm going to put Rodney Dangerfield. I know that's going to be shocking to a lot of people, mm. but Rodney, the, just the essence of him was hilarious. And he could not help be funny just by looking at him. Watch any interview with Rodney Dangerfield and you will laugh. I, uh, I was sorry. I was going to go Robin Williams over Jim. Mm. And I knew I, I could only have one, like, can't turn it off, sort of like borderline annoying, whatever uh, comedian. And I think I might, I, I don't know. It's between Robin and Jim, but I, I want one of those guys that's like supernova uh, because I've enjoyed their work so much. What were you going to say, Maxi? I might put Conan in there instead that's of That's what Chappelle. I was going to I knew you were going to swap. Yeah. yeah. Conan was the know. one I knew you were missing. Yeah, I love Conan. Okay. You got to go. Wrap yeah. it up quick. That's Mike, it. Say it quickly. Do the thing. Okay. Max bye. has an interview in three minutes. That's it. That's all. That's our episode. Thanks so much for listening. See you later. RIP, Norm McDonald. Later.